listening to Charge Podcast Episode 8, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John Edgar. How are you today, John? Hi, Owen. What's what's uh, what's happening? Well, you know how you said it was warm there? Yep. It is very, very warm here. It's really warm here, too. I love when you talk about the weather. <laughs> yeah, I'm plugging. I'm actually plugging in my Apple Watch wow, right now. Wow, it's that warm. It's that warm. <laughs> The disadvantage. <laughs> see how with the what the what the disadvantage to the Apple Watch is that you have to plug it in. Yeah, you have to charge it so much. Did you see that? Uh, I actually saw this week somebody released a um, a portable recharging dock for it, which is just like the most hilarious thing. It's oh. like a small brick with a backup battery in it. That's truly uh, upsetting. Have we reached peak uh, charger yet? No, I think we can we can go deeper. <laughs> oh dear anyway so <laughs> we should talk about what's good recently oh, yeah and we also we also owe an apology for missing for two weeks yes. so sorry everyone but we're back we're back stronger than ever and hopefully regularly more consistently <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> life happens um all right so the craziest thing happened yesterday I totally lost my train of thought. Was it that Instagram got a new logo? Is that the crazy thing? That is it. <laughs> yes. I completely lost it. I'm like, something happened with Instagram. Yeah. Instagram got a new, well, icon logo thing. Um, of course, the internet went crazy. It was inevitable. But I think Instagram was the last big holdout of like skeuomorphic design, right? They had that crazy uh, 3D icon until since I can remember. And yesterday it was just gone in the wind. Uh, I'm a little sad about it. Yeah, back we're down to the. I think we're moving into the flatness, gradient flatness, man. Yeah, it was interesting. I remember seeing a, a po- uh, I think it was a video or a podcast or something with. I can't, and I'm not sure if it was Johnny Ive or Steve Jobs, but they were talk, talking about scudomorphism and that the reason that they came out with. Uh, shadows and textures and wood panel and rain and weird stuff like that in the iPhone is because the concept of gestures were so right. foreign, like to, to interact with this piece of glass ah. um, that they wanted to create visual affordances for people. And those visual affordances uh, led them down the path to how to interact with the product. So basically, they used the the operating system to teach us how to use the device, which I thought was brilliant. That's that's pretty neat. And then when I guess iOS seven happened, they didn't really need those UI hints as much anymore. I mean, that's up for discussion. Lots of people argue with that, but I can see why they did that. It's really interesting. Mm. Well, that's the last skeuomorphic thing left, and I'm a little like. The new icon's fine, and I like the new layout of the app. I did notice they snuck in an algorithmic timeline at the same time, so I'm a little like, well played, guys. Doesn't um, hasn't Instagram always had an algorithmic timeline? I thought no, they were they started testing it recently. I think about three or four months ago, and there was that whole thing where everybody was posting. Um, subscribe to my, uh, my notifications, otherwise you won't see me in your feed all the time, and it was just ridiculous. I think at the end of the day, Instagram was always going to get an algorithmic timeline. It It's inevitable. So much shit is posted there that it, a ranking algorithm was needed. But it's kind of funny because there's a lot of outrage when they first uh, hinted that they were doing algorithmic. So they kind of said, oh, no, no, it's not coming yet. And then yesterday they rolled it out more widely. They're still testing it. So not everybody sees it while they did the icon change so that nobody noticed. And it's quite it's quite smart. I have to commend them for that. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I don't have it, but I also only follow a few, like, 
Well, I follow 90 people on um, Instagram, but it's mostly like, I think I follow art galleries and like curators Uh, and stuff. I don't, but I, I think I do believe, although, well, I've always thought that kind of actually Instagram is kind of the best social network, to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. I really think it's awesome and I've always loved everything about it, but probably because my background and my degree is in imaging, but, Mm -hmm. um, but you're going to find this, I don't know, maybe you're not. I am like slowly, but very quickly falling in love with Snapchat. Oh man. I'm all about Snapchat. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I spend probably more time on there than I do anywhere else now. It's, yeah. I, I really enjoy it because there's just no, well, there's no pressure or anything. It's just kind of, you just do it because you do it. Everybody asks me, why do you Snapchat? And I just say, well, why not? I'm just sending life to people. It's very, it's fun, man. I, I really like it. That's what post people my said. Snapchat link in the uh, description. <laughs> yeah. Post mine too. Yeah. Um, but you know, everyone, but it, like how old's Twitter now? Ten, man, ten like 10 old. years, at least 2006, right? Yeah. So I think in 2006, everyone used to say to me, what, oh, okay, 2007, I think it's when I got Twitter and everyone was like, yeah. whoa, very narcissistic. Why do you tweet? It's such a narcissistic thing. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I tweet cause I tweet, like I have thoughts yeah. in my head or things going on and I just put them out into the world and I don't, right. I don't give it, you know, give a damn if you like it or not. It's for <laughs> me. But that's why I like Snapchat because it's not, an, it's kind of public, but people can't just find you necessarily. There's no pressure. It's just chill. I don't know. I like it. And nobody uh, gets mad at how many cat photos I post. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, on a more serious note, something kind of big is going on at the moment. We have actually a few topics relating to Google today. So the first one is that um, there's an ongoing legal battle between Google on the Android front versus Oracle because over the years, uh, Google's API endpoints use basically the same name set as uh, as the Java framework. And I think it was, I, I don't remember when, but Oracle acquired Java some years ago. It was like five or six years ago. I don't know. It feels like forever ago. And they basically contested that Android uses the API naming uh, because it's their, it's their property. And even though it's not actually fundamentally patentable, really, they're using it and they don't like it. So they're trying to, they're trying to extract $9.3 billion out of Google for this. Uh, and it's really interesting because Oracle, first of all, acquired this off, off of um, Sun back in the day. And Sun and Google had a really good relationship before now. But so Sun, Sun actually, you know, offered their, and, and this is a quote, they offered their heartfelt congratulations when Android launched. So it wasn't a secret that they were using Java but Oracle argues they need to license it and it's their software property. So it's really interesting. There's this whole back and forth and the court case is bizarre. If you look it up on Twitter, the weirdest, weirdest stuff is coming out. They're asking Eric Schmidt, who's been on the stand, like strange questions just to try and lead him, I don't know, down whatever road. But it's kind of like this interesting thing. Like, can you patent an API? Um, (laughs) I don't think so. But this is interesting. What do you think? Mm, you <laughs> can you can you patent an API? Well, so the patent. I mean, hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, the patent system is pretty broken, mm-hmm. but 
I'm just wondering if actually, like, so patents were supposed to, I think, be originally, they were originally created to protect methodologies, right? Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, or is that what patents were for? I don't know. But yeah. So then it, I guess it depends on whether or not, like, it depends on how you consider an API. That's an interesting area. I don't, I, yeah. Well, this is the first case, I think. They, you know, Oracle is saying that they had to license the API, and I don't think that's really a thing. You know, it's if 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 they win this, it actually could have a pretty kind of profound effect on the industry, right? APIs have always been like, oh, you use the thing, um, and Google did it for um, what's it called, like uh, recognition sakes. So the whole idea was if they use Java, developers would be able to build faster. So. But then you could have all these sorts of things where like if you use, I don't know, a Twitter API without the license, maybe you could get sued for it. I don't know. There's all these kind of crazy arguments that could come out of this. It's going to be long. Yeah, we run into some scary territory when we move away from the sentiment of wanting to standardize on APIs and standardize on methodologies of 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 machine to machine. Right. One, one of the things that I've been looking at in my work recently is uh, kind of what's going to happen in the municipal IoT space if we don't have more standardization around the machine to machine smart device stuff. And I was reading a report yesterday that I think it was $200 billion or $300 billion by 2020 is what this research firm was projecting was going to be lost on the lack of standardization around IoT. And so, yep. and part like part of what our company does is actually create an API. And, and we want to create an API that anyone can riff against and anyone can yep. riff off and think about. And that, I don't know, as the CEO of the company, that's this to me, Larry is. Um, uh, Edison is, or I don't know whoever uh, Oracle. I guess he's not this. He's I don't know what involvement he has anymore. But like being very anti-competitive, like right. it's not a, it's not a, or I guess he's being yeah. Like I don't know. It's not a. It's a really. I don't know. It sounds terrible. So, but this, it's typical. The funny thing about this whole um, argument is Eric Schmidt actually used to work at Sun. <laughs> So it makes it even more complicated because he actually testified yesterday that uh, he thought it was possible to implement, you know, the the Java APIs without the license from Sun because you only had to pay for to use their logo and to use the Java implementation code. They were just using the endpoints, right? Right. So so funny because he argued he argued yesterday that at Sun they use Microsoft APIs in the same way. So why wouldn't they be able to do it at Android? But it's just like, yeah. So the only thing I can think about that makes any sense is around like copyright law. Right. And like, so I presume that they licensed the um, Sun logo yeah. under co- co- copyright law. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could copyright API endpoints somehow. But, yeah. Well, that's the scare. Right. Because if you and can, that's, that's scary. That's terrible because yeah. then what's going to happen is you you'll just change you'll increment people incrementally change the endpoint to make them different yeah. enough in their implementation of it and so we're going to have like ugh, that's all I mean just think of the fragmentation that happens in that world yeah. it sounds off that's it's going to be crazy so I'm sure we'll be following this a lot more in the coming weeks another piece of interesting 
kind of, I guess, leak from inside Google this week is that they're actually taking on Amazon with their own version of the Echo. So the idea is they're going to have some sort of hardware gadget that can sit around your house and you can be like, hey, Google, set a timer or whatever. I I haven't used Alexa. It looks cool. Uh, But basically they're taking on Amazon's voice thing. Yeah, you like it? Oh, it's amazing, Owen. It's really good. And I was in um, I was in Atlanta uh, speaking to the CIO there on Monday. And we were talking about kind of their vision for how the city was going to be in, in 5, 10 years. And one of the things he said was, hey, you know that Alexa thing? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I love it. I have it in my house. I'm like, <laughs> hey, Alexa, how big is the um, earth? Hey, Alexa, whatever, right? And so uh, he, he was like, I want to take that and put it in street lights so that you can go, Hey, Atlanta, how far is the nearest, whatever hey, Atlanta. How? And I was like, that's that. Now you're thinking about things yeah. in the right way. And so there is this like Google and Amazon are the great platform companies, right? They're set to be the two biggest companies in the world for a long time. Right. And I, I'm, I have always been bullish on, 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 uh, Amazon, as you know, mm-hmm. I think that Amazon will become the largest company in the world and hold its its position as the largest company in the world for a long, long time into the future. And I think it's going to do that because it is in the best place for vertical integration with its cloud platform. So, and I think Google sees that. And so this is like, okay, we, we see Google trying to, they have like their alphabet companies, they have link.nyc yep. where they like make these smart city things that like are in our world and they scan us as we walk by and do pet pedestrian counting and all this stuff. And that's the extension of their cloud platform into the, yeah. into the physical and so you look at it's interesting you you how do you create a b2c product that like puts it in the center of our physical universe and then Mm. and then allows it to be context a contextual element of the cloud platform is like really cool to me and so i i'm not i'm completely not surprised that google is trying to go down this road but do you think they're late yeah they're way late and also google has a much uh, Google doesn't have a good history with being able to get B2C adoption of its, sure. uh, of its, of its physical, uh, products. I think no. sometimes because it tries to be a little bit too inclusive and open in its ecosystem mm-hmm. as opposed to really forcing it in there. Um, and then also just because I think that they're a really great software company, but they haven't yeah. done a very good job of understanding how they're, they're almost too... They suck at distribution. Like it's awful. Whenever yeah. they try and sell a piece of self-made hardware, it just bombs. They also go way too far into the future. They're not good at these yeah. incremental steps. Like Google sure. Glass, you know, is fine, but it it's it's an incremental. It's it it wasn't an incremental step. We weren't ready for mm. Google Glass, and it wasn't ready for us, right? right. Um, and and I think when you look at the uh, Android platform as well, they didn't do a, a particularly great job of manufacturing hardware devices, did they? No. No, I mean, the Nexus program's basically only ever been for developers and people who know that you, you'll you get better support. 
It's really interesting. I think there's a lot of opportunity. It, it kind of was mentioned in the Amazon, like the, the leak article about this, that uh, it will look something like the OnHub. And that, that, that made me think. So for people who don't know what the OnHub is, it's Google's Wi-Fi router. And that's another thing that not many people know about is Google has this like really fantastic IoT router. You put it you put it in, it has a beautiful setup process. It's really nice. It can actually wire up uh, between your Nest and all those other things and it makes them available online through a single app. It's really nice. But the rumor is that it will look something like OnHub. And that made me think it would actually be pretty cool if you could buy a router that did all of this shit. Like out of the box, you just put it on your bench. It makes your Wi-Fi better. And you can talk to it. That would be pretty cool. If they do yeah. that, I'm in. See, the, but it raises the price. Yeah, the only the only thing that uh, Google has is like a massive advantage, which frankly I think they've messed up, is that they had they have and had Nest, and like Nest yeah. had the potential. Oh, like if they hadn't been fast with that. Like I don't. Well, like why is OnHub not a Nest product? And why is Nest? It doesn't yeah, make any like, sense. Why is Nest still the way it is? Why is it still a thermometer and not just like yeah, you know, <laughs> the central yeah. like a very pretty uh, thermometer? Yeah, like why isn't why isn't they had a great brand? They had a great piece of hardware, and they had mm-hmm. a great way to get into the home. It was a nice Trojan horse, and they yeah, and they were there three years earlier than anybody yeah. else. And uh, they still messed it up. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're working on something big, but it certainly seems. But I mean, we've talked about Nest before. It certainly seems like there's some real problems over there at the moment. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not confident that Nest will ship anything awesome anytime soon. But we'll see. I guess. I still love that video of that guy throwing his Nest smoke alarms in a chili bin because they won't shut up. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I it's beautiful. Oh man! Do you remember when everyone <laughs> switched to Gmail? Oh yeah, two thousand two, two thousand three. I don't know. feels like around there. Do you think that if Amazon came out with a better version of Gmail or bought Slack and then came out with a better version of Gmail, people would switch to it? Do you think that basically my point is, do you think that how does, how does Amazon also win the, because Amazon doesn't have anything that really, well, actually. They have the enterprise email thing. Well, I was just thinking they don't have any software that we touch every day. Like I use Gmail and Google Calendar and Google, the yeah. search engine, every single day. And yeah. I have done sure. since that year. Um, yeah. Amazon doesn't have, so that I can think of, a piece of software that I touch every single day. Other than it, Probably other, only the video thing. And AWS. But other than that. And, and yeah. AWS only by virtue yeah. of the fact that everything runs on AWS. If, if, if they actually bought out something compelling, because I think, again, if we, if we look at what's happening with Gmail, it's stagnated. Like, Google had crazy lofty ambitions for what Gmail could have been. I mean, we saw that with Wave, right? Yeah. And then they were like, oh, it's too hard. This isn't working out. Um, so they, they killed it, right? I think if Amazon has been working on that for a while, and I'm sure they've, they've got some sort of email skunk works internally, uh, if they've been working on that for a while, they could really put something out there that works well. Like they could, they could really, they, they, you could do a lot of simple things like uh, enabling a way for email to have like reactions like on social media. I don't know, just really simple things. Like I don't need to reply to an email to say I've seen it or okay or whatever. Like maybe I should just be able to thumbs up it or, you know, there's all this little stuff that social networks got and emails just never extended to. And that's that's part of its like awesome open standard and all that kind of thing. But it feels like there's just room for more. I don't know. I, I think if Amazon wanted to, it could do it. But I'm just not sure on their like their software 
the web software execution just isn't there yet. Maybe we just don't know something, but I haven't seen a product consumer end other than Amazon.com and maybe the the video thing that has like wowed me from them. So it's it, it'll be a long process, I think, but I hope so. Gmail's like needs it needs love. I'm I think Amazon's going to dominate, but anyway. So we've talked a million times about uh, startups running into regulated industries. Uber got like yep. slapped with, I think, $150 million in fines over the last two weeks or something like that. It's been crazy. Mm-hmm. I actually read that uh, if Uber were to treat all of its employees uh, in California uh, as employees, it would owe $750 million in, um, in uh, expenses. Wow. Yeah. Really? Crazy. Yeah. But to, the, to that end, uh, I don't know if you saw the Bloomberg article about, uh, the other company, the other company that we've been talking a lot about recently. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal, man. They self-destructed. What really you think so? Well, I don't know. So there was this whole thing with the uh, the fraudulent tests a little while ago, and it just seems to get worse and worse. I don't know. I don't know if like they're really self disrupted, but there's a lot of internal problems, and I can't gauge if it's just normal startup problems or really bad. I mean, this Bloomberg article was brutal uh, for a number of reasons. Like they lied about facts, but hey, a lot of startups exaggerate numbers. Uh, they lied about um, various deals they'd made. They didn't make revenue. I don't know, man. I, mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's concerning. Well, their current CEO, uh, Sachs Yammer guy is apparently yeah. incredibly good. Like yeah. their, their former CEO, crazy guy, their current CEO, from what I've heard on the street, uh, everyone tells me he's really, really phenomenal, but boy, does he ever have a lot of shit to pick up? Like when I read that Bloomberg article, especially the part about the CEO making a macro that allowed the web pages to just, uh, I think it was that to get to be able to do what they do, you have mm. to show 50-something hours, 52 hours, I think, don't quote me on that, of yeah. Yeah, um, something like that. of research into being in the insurance industry to be licensed to sell insurance. And it looks like he made, I think, he made a script that kept the browser active when someone wasn't at it so that oh it looked God. like they had put in put in this amount of work or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty intense story. Yeah. It says that he created a Chrome extension that did that called the macro. Um, I also read that he like basically micromanaged the business to the extreme with like vacation bans. And he alone was in charge of the HR software. He would like manually approve stuff. I don't, it's, it sounds like somebody who thought he could get away with anything. Maybe they can come back from it, but it's Yeah. Apparently they even banned alcohol at one point. Do you know how well funded they are? Because I feel like they've taken on a lot, a of, lot money. of money. Like well, I, they, they're, I feel like they're, they're an entry. Five hundred million at a valuation of four point five billion in twenty fifteen. So they've raised a lot of money. So let's say that they've spent half of that. Two hundred yeah. million dollars is probably enough money to turn a company around if the idea is solid enough. Yeah, as long as they don't spend it all in the process, I think it's. That's perfectly reasonable. I mean, they've raised enough that they could they could shed people or they could cut expenses and just pivot 
completely and fix it, especially if this guy's as good as he's supposed to be. Yeah, they they're going to have to get acquired and they're going to have to get acquired by probably a traditional insurance company because it doesn't look like they have the revenue to be able to go public. Like I think that they said that they missed their uh, targets and they were at what, 60 million or something like that. Um, and, and I think yeah, that we're like getting it. back into the good old days of 50 mil quarter over quarter consistently to be comfortable IPOing. At least I hope we are. So if that's the case, then... Them being acquired by insurance companies is not unreasonable, though. I think. Yeah, they should probably take a hit on their valuation, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, I guess. It's, it's, I think this is not the last we're going to hear from them. <laughs> that's for sure. Internally, at least. Yeah, you know? I think that Theranos and Zenefits are the ones to watch in terms of like imploding Oof. well-funded startups. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. There's also one other big company we need to talk about today. I feel like we've talked about like the big big five almost. But we've talked about Apple Music a lot on here and like streaming services. And I saw that it's rumored that at WWDC, Apple's developer conference next month in June, they're completely overhauling Apple Music already because they're not happy with how it's been going. And that's pretty crazy. It's not even a year old. Yeah, that's right. That was the product that Ryan Walsh said he worked on. But he also said that... He didn't right. think that they did a very good job of it, right? I mean, I think the I think the thing is, it's it was clear to everybody the interface was confusing, and departments had been arguing about how it should work and if it should be part of iTunes. And you know, this Bloomberg article mentions that you know they were arguing internally, like they wouldn't promote it on iTunes because they were scared about losing their downloads, and which is like fine and logical. But I think in the Steve Jobs days, he wouldn't have been scared to devour their own product in order to make it succeed. So it's kind of interesting to hear these battles actually happening. And now um, apparently there's a lot of infighting between what's happened with the the Beats guys who got acquired, uh, you know, Trent Reznor and all those guys are trying to do their own deals and Cupertino doesn't know about it. So it's really interesting that there's this whole like dynamic as the whole industry is, you know, the, the purchase of music is slowing and streaming is increasing. Apple's in this like middle ground where it doesn't quite know what to do. You know, what's really good. It's, SoundCloud Go. Man, you love SoundCloud. No, well, I love SoundCloud, but now that I'm using SoundCloud Go, it is really like it's really good. And it's I mean, worth if the you money? like Oh god, absolutely. If you like the music on SoundCloud, SoundCloud Go is exactly how it should be. You're listening to a track and you're like, "Oh, I like this track." And then you hit a button and it's like cash to your phone and you just have it on your phone. You can like cash playlists and then they have like songs that are premium songs now that are only on oh, Go. Wow. And yeah, and it's like all my favorite artists that are that have been on SoundCloud of all released their I just like I'm like it's so good. Highly recommend it. Spend the money. Well, I guess you can't actually get it. Yeah, I can't get it. I'm very sad. I use Google Play Music. I like it a lot. It has those um, sweet recommendations from that company that Google acquired last two years ago. What it songs are, I think it was something like that. Uh, I really like that. But yeah, I mean, I use SoundCloud every day to find stuff, and then I buy it and I upload it to Google Play Music. But it's not there, ironically. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting to see Apple. You know, they're such a big company struggling with well, this. It's. I think it shows really a. Uh, how it's struggled, the company is struggling to like merge mesh both the new culture and like Tim Cook's leadership. Um, there's a, there's like no real, I don't know. It seems to me like there's no real goal with Apple music right now. They just, they just, it is. And there's no, there's no sense of this will eventually become iTunes or we're going to, you know, integrate the two. It's, I think WWDC will be interesting because we'll actually find out what they want. 
because right now Apple Music's just an app that they, it seems like they threw together really quickly. If you think about like the Jovian way of looking at the world, they've always tried to own the creative mind. Like when you hear, I was watching an interview of Steve in, from like, I don't know, a long time ago when he was like, it looked like he was in his 20s. And uh, he was just saying, he was talking about the bicycle for the mind stuff that we've like heard him, you know, that's stuff that he used to say all the time. But when you listen to him talk in the interview, you can really make it, you can really see that he understood that we were moving out of a society that needed tools to extensiate our body and that we uh, had to move into tools that extensiated our mind. And I think part of the thing that he always believed in was that the creative mind was a beautiful and mystical and magical thing. And so it seems like that is always wrapped up in the Apple, um, in the Apple, like, world and the apple mentality but that they do a really bad job of nailing some of it like the 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 media and the music and the video and like all of that stuff they do terribly creating creating the tools that we use to create those things they do brilliantly that's that's a shame really i don't know well i'm hoping that you know ios 10 is coming up i think it's going to be pretty major i'm hoping that we're going to see a new kind of apple at that event because you know, the, the, the development arcs for iOS are pretty long. Um, and I think, you know, this is, well, last year and this year is really the year that we'll see Tim Cook's influence over that. I actually don't know what to expect. It's like the first WWDC I'm going in and I'm like, what's, what is Apple going to do this year? I mean, there's a hundred things they could do. They could make iMessage less bad. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of different stuff, but it's unclear because they've just been slow. Like iOS 9 was basically unmemorable. I mean, I don't like, there was a few small things, but there was nothing that made me go, wow, you know? So like 3d touch, man, what, what was the, anyway, I won't talk about my, my uh, disdain for 3d touch too much because it's pointless. Is it? I don't, I don't have a phone (laughs) that supports it. So I've never tried it. I literally use it for one thing and it's super depressing. I only use it to get to the battery saver quicker in in the settings, (laughs) which is awful. Isn't the point of it that it's supposed to be another way of interacting with menus and stuff? Yeah. So, well, the problem is that the, the discovery paradigm isn't there. I don't know when to press harder and there's no sort of like mechanism for hinting that it's available yet. So, you know, you can hard press on icons on the home screen, but even the the integration for that is not very good. Like Twitter's app has it and you can do it for a new tweet and sure it'll save you a tap, but the, the app opens to the like default screen and then to the tweet screen. It doesn't just open the tweet screen. So I think they really need to like make it possible to, I don't know. I would love it if I could just pop open the tweet thing over the top of my home screen or whatever, you know, like do actions that aren't full app kind of stack you shouldn't have to load the full app to do really small stuff like that because to me that's what force touch should do i'm sure we'll uh, hear more about that at wwdc but we need to have an episode on like our gadget yeah apps. we do <laughs> we'll do a special we'll do a special episode maybe in a couple weeks yeah on like a dull week we can just uh talk about bad shit yeah um, <laughs> all right man i think uh that's enough for this week if anybody has feedback comments reviews love hey whatever you can reach us at char.gd the worst domain name ever <laughs> um, or on twitter at ow or at jedgar um 
we, we also put it in the notes, which I've started putting in the descriptions of the show so you can find them. So we'd love to hear from you questions, thoughts. We're, we'd be happy to answer questions on the podcast as well. So send them in. Thanks for uh, listening. And also next week, uh, we're going to have a special guest for what did you learn this week? We're going to have Tim, Tim, who is, um, I think a senior product manager at Giphy. Nice. I love Giphy. I'm long on Giphy. Yeah. <laughs> so he will be, uh, he'll be an interesting person. I'm sure he's really cool, man. What a job working on gifts all day. Yeah. So we'll talk to him next week. All right, Owen. Thanks for hanging out, John. Good to see you. Talk to you later, buddy.